Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments, so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Dr. David Katz. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Katz is the founding director of Yale University's Prevention Research Center and current president of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. He is a two-time diplomate of the American Board of Internal Medicine and a board-certified specialist in preventive medicine and public health. Dr. Katz has published roughly 200 scientific articles and textbook chapters, 15 books to date, including multiple editions of leading textbooks in both preventive medicine and nutrition. And in 2015, Dr. Katz established the True Health Initiative to help convert what we know about lifestyle as medicine into what we do about it in the service of adding years to lives and life to years around the globe. Dr. Katz, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you, Carrie, for that kind introduction. It's my pleasure. Dr. Katz, we are truly in the midst of a massive health crisis in North America, in the U.S. and in Canada, aren't we? We are, and and we have been for a long time. In fact, Carrie, you know the, the frustrating thing for you and me and anyone else devoted to the so-called healthcare proposition is that we've been in a mess for the entire span of our careers. And you know, I, frankly, I, I often feel inclined to question my utility in the world because I'm an expert in preventing chronic disease. And the entire span of my career, we've had ever more chronic disease. And I'm an expert in weight control and preventing obesity. And throughout the entire span of my career, we've had ever more obesity. <laughs> so I, I sometimes wonder, what the heck am I getting done? But all you can do is keep trying. But yes, it's a mess. Uh, basically, chronic disease contributes massively around the world and increasingly to a loss of years from lives, premature death, and a loss of life from years because these are chronic diseases. We're talking about heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, dementia. And these things take quality of life away before they kill us prematurely. Uh, and they are rampant and they are rising in prevalence and they are substantially unnecessary. We know how to prevent them and we're not getting it done. So, yeah, I would call that a mess. <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a mess. Okay, so if we know what works to prevent chronic diseases, why aren't we doing it? Well, I, I think that is the key question. And, and I think it has several possible answers. First, do we really know what we need to do? And for example, you know, does the average person uh, listening to scientists and, and reading headlines 
feel very confident that they know for sure what a healthy diet is. Uh, you know, I think everybody knows that smoking is bad and physical activity is good, but the short list of lifestyle factors that can prevent 80% or more of all chronic disease in- includes diet, and I would argue diet really is the centerpiece. And, you know, there, there's a different headline about the, the healthy thing to eat every day, if not a whole batch of headlines. And I, I think, frankly, people are confused. And, and so, you know, if we compare getting to a world with an 80% lesser rate of all major chronic disease to getting to the moon, I would argue one of the reasons there are footprints and a flag on the moon is that we knew exactly where to find it. And if we don't know or can't agree exactly where to find healthy eating, it will forestall progress. Now, I think we do know, and we can come back to that, but I I don't think we know that we know, most people. Um, Another argument for why we don't get there from here is there's enormous profit in not getting there from here. Uh, Big food likes the status quo. Uh, You know, if we really committed to healthy living, healthy eating, to the lifestyle pattern that could eradicate 80% of all chronic disease, we wouldn't be drinking Coca-Cola or eating cheese doodles. And there are elements in the food industry that say we like things just the way they are, thank you very much, and uh, work very hard to keep it that way. Frankly, I think Big Pharma might not love it if we prevented 80% of all chronic disease because a whole lot fewer people would need to take their drugs. Essentially, the current system, carry is one in which big food and, and other major industries, big big media, big publishing, uh, propagate confusion and chronic disease, and big pharma sells the treatments, and everybody profits except, you know, you, me, our patients, and our families because we are mired in obesity and diabetes, heart disease, cancer, dementia, etc., that, that we don't need to get. Um, and then finally, you know, why don't we just get this done? There's the little consideration of 6 million years of evolutionary biology and 15,000 years of human civilization. And, and what I mean by that is, throughout most of human history and all of pre-human history, the struggles were getting enough to eat and reducing the burden of physical activity every day. We didn't have to worry about eating too much, and we didn't have to worry about doing too little physical work. The problems were entirely in the other direction. Throughout most of human history, calories were relatively scarce and hard to get, and physical activity was unavoidable. It wasn't called exercise, it was called survival. So we are poorly adapted to a world where physical activity is scarce and hard to get, and calories are unavoidable. In fact, we have no native defenses against that at all. Uh, And I've, over the years, compared us to polar bears in the Sahara Desert unbelievably amazing survival machines, but adapted to a particular environment and totally out of their depth in a completely different one. Well, that's us, and we are either going to adapt and get with the modern program, or we're going to continue paying the consequences. So that's a short list of reasons why we're not getting it done, why in this instance knowledge isn't power. Okay, so let's go back to what you said at the very beginning about what is healthy eating and and that there is so much confusion out there because every day, like you said, there's a different headline either on the you know five o'clock news or on Facebook or whatever about what is considered healthy today is considered bad for us tomorrow and and uh, as you said, we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know, and do we really know? <laughs> what is so, healthy eating? <laughs> yeah, so so it's pseudo confusion, and um, I'm very much committed 
to fighting that notion that, that we are clueless about the basic care and feeding of Homo sapiens. We are not. Uh, we have very, very reliable knowledge, and if we could just rally around it, it would make a world of difference. So, first, uh, the source of the pseudo-confusion is noted is a whole array of industries that profit from confusion. If we ever just acknowledge the fundamentals of healthy eating and never question them, I'm not sure what they would do at Good Morning America, where I used to work on air, or the Today Show, or or the other medical shows that are on during the daytime, the Dr. Oz Show. I'm not sure uh, what they would do at, at Health Magazine and Prevention Magazine, and you know all of the men's and women's magazines about health and fitness, because there are new stories about new diets all the time. I'm not sure what all the big publishers who rely on the profits of the next great fad diet book would do, and on and on it goes. So we shouldn't be naive. We should understand that confusion is enormously profitable because you can sell confused people anything. And as noted, you know, big food profits enormously from this. When, when we misunderstood the message about reducing dietary fat, uh, the food industry invented low-fat junk food and sold us Snackwell cookies. When we misunderstood the message about reducing our intake of bad carbohydrates, the food industry invented low-carb junk food and sold us low-carb brownies and low-carb pasta. And now we've completely misconstrued the message about avoiding gluten, and there's a whole suite of gluten-free junk foods, and we're buying those too. So there's enormous profit in pseudo-confusion, but it's not real. The fundamentals of healthy eating are perfectly clear. And, and I'm, I'm going to give the punchline here so that uh, everybody just gets that and then we can work back to it. If your diet is mostly made up of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, nuts and seeds, and water when you're thirsty, you simply cannot go too far wrong. Minimally processed. Those foods, if they make up most of your diet, you are in the dietary promised land. Period. End of story. That is based on such an unbelievably massive volume of scientific evidence, I would scarcely know where to begin. Uh, but what I can do is point people to the website of the True Health Initiative. That's True Health Initiative. <laughs> TrueHealthInitiative.org. Sorry about pandemonium. Canine pandemonium in the background. Um, and um, what we've got there is a bibliography of roughly 600 scientific papers, uh, and they're cataloged in various ways about the part of the world and the kind of diet and the kind of study. And, but unbelievable consistency showing over and over and over again that if your diet is mostly made up of, uh, and just to be clear, it's vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, nuts and seeds, and water when you're thirsty, uh, stunningly better health outcomes than people who have diets made up of other stuff. Uh, and, and I know this intimately uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I have personally written three editions of a leading nutrition textbook uh, used in medical schools and, and such called Nutrition and Clinical Practice. And, and the most recent edition came out in 2014, I think it was, and has about 10,000 scientific citations, which, Carrie, you know from your work, you know, it's a massive volume of effort scrutinizing the literature. Uh, and so it really is the, the view from altitude about what we know. And then a smaller scale project, I, I was asked a few years ago by the editors of uh, Annual Review of Public Health to write a paper entitled, Can We Say What Diet is Best for Health? And uh, I'm very proud to report that that paper is the most downloaded article in the entire history of that journal. It's been downloaded over 93,000 times. And this audience is welcome to it. So if you just, if you just Google my name, Katz, 
can we say what diet is best for health, uh, you should be able to access the PDF of that paper. And I looked at randomized control trials and observational epidemiology and meta-analyses, and then importantly, the, the real-world experience of whole populations, like, for example, the Blue Zones, those places around the world where people most routinely live to be 100 and don't get chronic disease, described for us all by National Geographic fellow Dan Buettner. And, and all of that evidence lines up perfectly in support of a diet mostly made up of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, nuts and seeds, water when thirsty. Um, and then there's one more bit of information that I think Carrie puts the icing on this cake, if you will, and that's evolutionary biology. If you stop and think about it for a minute, I mean, you've been to a zoo, right? Everybody's been to a zoo at some point and enjoyed the antics of the animals. And, um, you know, if you stop and think, well, gee, how do they know what to feed these guys? I mean, did they do a randomized control trial? Did they randomly assign the koala bears to mackerel or hunks of wildebeest uh, and, and, and only fed them eucalyptus leaves when it turned out that's what they did the best on? And, and the answer is, of course not. They fed the koalas eucalyptus leaves because the koalas in Australia were eating eucalyptus leaves. And they fed the lions meat because that's what they were eating in Africa and and on and on it goes. In other words, for every species on the planet, uh, we have a pretty good idea what to feed them because we know something about their native diet. How plausible is it that we would know how to feed toucans and tropical fish and pandas and penguins and and be clueless about how to feed our own species. It, it doesn't even make any sense. So, you know, we know that we should have a diet that's largely made up of minimally processed foods, direct from nature. Um, most paleoanthropologists agree that, you know, the bulk of the diet comes from plants. When it does come from animal products and meat, then, you know, they, they're, it's game. It's wild animals. It's not, you know, grain-fed beef. It's, it's um, antelope and, and venison, that sort of thing. Um, so, in any event, we are absolutely not confused. There's just enormous profit to be made by propagating the illusion of pseudo-confusion. Uh, and unfortunately, the public's buying in. And I'm saying stop because, you know, you're paying for that pseudo-confusion with your health and the health of your family, the health of your children. I mean, we're, we're mortgaging the future health of our children. And the other critical thing these days, Carrie is the environment, the planet, climate change, and all of that. Human dietary pattern has enormous, enormous potential to impact the health of the planet. And, and thankfully, the same fundamental shifts in our dietary patterns that could add years to our lives and life to our years and do the same for our children um, have incredible potential to benefit everything related to the environment, from water utilization to climate change to the preservation of biodiversity. So... Uh, you know, we've all got skin in this game, and, you know, it, it's time to stop being naive, rally around the fundamentals, and at long last make use of what we know. And I, I formed the True Health Initiative, as you mentioned at the beginning, to show that this is not just my opinion, that a who's who in the world of nutrition and public health and sustainability and even the culinary arts um, is well aware of these fundamentals and agrees. And this who's who ranges from vegan to paleo. It's not that, you know, it's just some of us who feel this way. Um, we've got on the same council of directors of the True Health Initiative, some of the world's most famous vegans like Dean Ornish and, and Neil Barnard and T. Colin Campbell and Caldwell Esselstyn, but also uh, the founding fathers, if you will, of the paleo diet, Boyd Eaton, Mel Connor, Lauren Cordain, uh, all saying, your diet should mostly be vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, nuts and seeds, water when thirsty. It's critical to human health. It's critical to the fate of the planet. 
Okay, so if we really dumb this down here, and we say, when you sit down to your meal, and you look at your plate of food, it should be at least three quarters worth of plants. Plant-based uh, food. Sure. I mean, I, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't know that um, there is a particular proportion or percentage that's the right answer. Um, but, yeah, I think three-quarters is fine. Obviously, if you're vegetarian or vegan, it's more than that. It, you know, it might be the whole plate. Um, and, and, frankly, you know, it isn't about every single plate because, you know, you, you might be vegetarian or vegan multiple meals out of the week, and so all of those plates are entirely plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then occasionally you do enjoy, um, whether it's, it's grass-fed beef. And, and by the way, j- just again to revisit the, the environmental issue, leaving aside for the moment the ethics of animal husbandry, um, there are very strong environmental arguments of, uh, against eating beef. We, we need to cut down massively on our intake of beef for the sake of the planet. Forget about human health. But, you know, you, you could have a meal that's wild salmon uh, or that's game or um, that's uh, sort of free-range poultry, that sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, those plates might be a bit more uh, oriented toward those animal products, but most of the time over the course of the week, uh, you're eating such a preponderance of plant foods that, yes, I would say, you know, at the end of each week, your diet has been 75% plant food by volume. Um, and it could be higher, it could be a little lower, but something like that. It, it, it's a massive shift from where we are now, where our diets are largely made up of uh, animal foods and highly processed junk that probably would glow in the dark if we ever looked at it that way. Yeah, so for the listeners out there, that could just be a simple place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the other thing is, Carrie, you can break it down to you know, the level of, of single substitutions. You know, drink water, not soda most yeah. of the time. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a big, easy thing to do. And by the way, that kind of change also has enormous environmental implications. I reviewed uh, Marion Nestle. She's a professor at NYU. I reviewed her latest book, Soda Politics, for the journal Nature. And, uh, you know, most of the, the bad shenanigans of the soda industry were not news to me. I, I knew about them. Uh, but one thing that did kind of rock me back on my heels was that to manufacture a single drinkable liter of Coca-Cola in a plastic bottle consumes close to 600 liters of water. Oh, wow. And I, you know, I think, you know, imagine the image, particularly for young people who may not be all that impressed about calories and sugar, um, imagine the image of, you know, you're about to drink a, a bottle of Coca-Cola or Pepsi, but before you can do that, you have to take five or six hundred bottles of, of the same size and pour them out on the parched ground at your feet. And then, you know, show people images of drying up fields in California and say, do you really want to make that choice? Right? So, you know, I think, I think that's huge. So, drink water instead of soda for many reasons. Eat more beans and lentils as a protein source in, in place of, of meat. Uh, you know, just start making those simple substitutions. Eat a mixed green salad every night for dinner. Um, you know, don't eat foods that have long, complicated ingredient lists of unrecognizable stuff. Choose simpler. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I stand ready to help in a very practical way. Uh, my wife, who's an absolutely brilliant cook, has a free and, and quite beautiful recipe website called Quizinicity. Dot com. It's like Cuisine City, but with an I in the middle. Cuisinicity, because it's about the simplicity of good cuisine, mostly plant-based. Uh, and, and not only are all the recipes on the site available to everybody for free, but Catherine videos herself preparing these dishes in, in our family kitchen, 
Uh, so it's a tutorial. Here's how you make this. I mean, a literal hands-on here. I, I'm preparing it while you watch, and you get a few minutes of the highlights of how to put this dish together. We have five kids, so you know it's not as if over the years she was perfecting these recipes. You know that it, that it, it was a, a professional kitchen with no distractions. It, it was typical, you know, homegrown chaos. Uh, and yet these recipes work perfectly well for our whole family, and I, I think they can work perfectly well for the families of those listening. So, yeah, I mean, you can break it down. You can go food by food and meal by meal. It's not rocket science, um, and every little thing you change in the right direction, the direction of less processed, more plants, um, is going to be good for you, it's going to be good for your family, and it's going to be good for this planet we all share. So, Dr. Katz, can you tell us more about the other components of the True Health Initiative? Sure. So, the the reason that I pulled this thing together, Carrie, was actually the, the issue that we started with. You, you asked me, you know, isn't it a mess? I said, yes, it's a mess, and it's been a mess the, the entire time I've been doing what I do, and you've been doing what you do. I got frustrated, and, and I got scared, to be quite honest. You know, I'm... I'm a productivity hound. Uh, I would say if I'm addicted to anything in, in my life, it's productivity. I need to feel like I'm getting something meaningful done. And um, I've been worried I haven't. I, you know, I, I worry that I'm going to get old and croak and, and leave behind a bigger mess than I started with. That scares the heck out of me. And, and it occurred to me that in this age of cyberspace and, and blogs, um, nobody was influential enough to be heard above the din. Uh, not you, not me, not Dr. Oz, not the Surgeon General, nobody. Uh, and, and so I actually thought about um, the precedent of a colleague of ours, another doctor, Dr. Seuss in this case, and the story of Horton hearing the Who's. And uh, I trust you know the story. And the Who's, who are these tiny creatures on a dust speck, are all about to be boiled to death in a cauldron of bezel nut oil uh, because nobody can hear them. And they fix this by pulling together and pooling their voices and all shouting at exactly the same moment, we are here, and then everybody hears them and they're saved, and Horton's a hero, and nobody gets boiled in bezel nut oil. And I thought, well, maybe we can do something like that. What if we, we enumerate the fundamentals of, of lifestyle as medicine, of healthy living and healthy eating, spell them out as a set of principles, and what if I ask all of my colleagues that I, I've accumulated around the world over the past 25 years, are you willing to stand up and be counted and say, you know, whatever my research is about, whatever fine point... Uh, occupies my particular time and, and passion every day. I agree with these fundamentals of a diet of minimally processed foods, mostly plants, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, nuts, and seeds, water when thirsty. Will you stand up and be counted? And I started asking. And I was deeply gratified to discover that a, that a who's who uh, was willing to stand up and be counted. And as I said before, it, you know, it ranges from vegan to paleo. It's unprecedented to have the world's leading experts in vegan diets and the world's leading experts on paleo diets linked arm in arm singing Kumbaya. But at the True Health Initiative, they do exactly that. So we are in the early days of becoming a global communication force that isn't about he said, she said. It's not about my opinion or any one opinion. It is about the global consensus of uh, experts with an unbelievable pedigree, and I mean people like the chair of nutrition at Harvard, the dean of nutrition at Tufts, I mean people with household names like Sanjay Gupta, I mean three former surgeons general of the United States, 
Uh, I mean famous people from the culinary world like Alice Waters, who brought us the farm-to-table movement, uh, and Sam Cass, who was the Obama's uh, chef and the White House chef until quite recently, and, and on and on it goes. All of these people coming together to rally around the fundamentals of healthy eating, healthy living. Uh, so we, we have begun the process of responding to media requests, issuing press releases, um, we're working on a peer-reviewed manuscript so we can start to educate uh, professional colleagues that what we know about the basic care and feeding of Homo sapiens um, is not just the product of massive and massively consistent scientific evidence, and it's not just a product of good sense, and it's not just a product of, of the insights of evolutionary biology. It's also a product of a massive global consensus among diverse experts, and, and we're here to let the world know about that. So you can go to truehealthinitiative.org and learn more. And if what I'm saying calls out to you, join us. Um, the Council of Directors is by invitation only, but members of the True Health Initiative are anybody who wants to add their voice to this global chorus and say, we should be doing more with what we know. We know what we know. It's time to do something with it. So, Dr. Katz, in the few minutes that we have left, is there anything else that you want to add to help our listeners have more knowledge and information about how to add more years to their lives and more life to their years? Sure. I, I, I think, Carrie, there are really two ways to get there from here. Uh, one is to change the world. The places where people most routinely have more years in life, more life in years, are places where culture gives it to them. In the blue zones, you don't have individuals relying on massive uh, willpower to overcome the forces of their culture. Their culture offers them healthy, minimally processed diets, uh, routine physical activity. They don't smoke. They sleep enough. They're not stressed out. So one way is to change the world, change our culture. But we can't just keep waiting on the world to change. So the other thing to do is to apply what I call skill power. I think we talk too much about willpower and too little about skill power. Healthy living in the modern world takes skill. And, and frankly, experts have skills. Expert pilots know how to fly planes. Uh, they're not better people than we are. They just have skills we don't have. You can learn those skills. Same is true for healthy living. I have those skills. You have those skills. Experts in health have those skills. We can pay them forward. Um, we try to do that in my shop with our nonprofit, Turn the Tide Foundation. We have a number of programs there for adults and children alike, freely available. So go to turnthetidefoundation.org and check them out. Uh, you can learn food label literacy. You can get new programs to fit physical activity into your daily routine or your kid's daily routine at school. Uh, and then you mentioned uh, your new book, and congratulations on that. My latest book is called Disease Proof. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to convince people about anything new regarding diet or, or, or health in that book. What I'm trying to do is take my skill set, fillet it open, and pay it forward. Uh, so, you know, if you'd like to know the skill set I personally rely on every day to, to be healthy and, and fit in spite of it all, um, check out Disease Proof. And Dr. Katz, do you have a website that our listeners can find you at? I do, Carrie. Thank you. DavidKatzMD.com. And it, there are links there to everything I've been talking about, to my wife's recipe site, to the Turn the Tide Foundation, to the True Health Initiative, to my various blogs. So that's good sort of one-stop shopping. That, that's kind of the, the, the central hub, and it leads to all of these different things we're discussing. Fantastic. So I'll make sure all of those links are in the podcast notes so that our listeners can easily find you and all of these resources that you've mentioned. Dr. Katz, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has just been an awesome interview. 
It's been my great pleasure, Carrie. Thank you. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. David Katz. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.